Do, do, do. Oh, oops. Just dropped my ear. Go ahead. Carry on. Here what we, we are. Saying? Yes. What I was saying. It's a crazy world. No, I was saying that. You were saying that. Crazy old world we live in, yeah. It is a bit crazy, you know. I think... Does everybody recognize that now, no? Yeah, I think so. No, they don't. Yeah. Well, they do. Some of them do. But only spotly, you know. Certain issues that come on the radar. Very few people are keeping track of the whole thing, you know. Right. Putting That's rare. That's rare. How many people are connecting the dots? That's rare. They're all in their little... But... but but crazy world syndrome is like everyone has a version of it. what's what's astonishing is that most what, people have what, normalized it. What's they crazy? just incorporated it into there. I can have a conversation with my parents, you know, and they, they talk about the world's going crazy, but they immediately offer the solutions that they've heard about from the media. From the media. So it's only when and <laughs> anyway, when's the next you know thing on the show on or the whatever they've normalized, they incorporated. They don't go, oh, my God, the world's crazy. I wonder if there's anything profoundly, something profound going on. That, something uh, profoundly wrong. Profoundly wrong or uh, heading wrong. all in a certain direction or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, rare. Yeah. Um, so when the media stops giving them narratives as to, to, to how to explain it away, that's when they'll start getting worried, right? Right. That's when the fun starts, when, you know, there's the no satellites don't work anymore. Well, what do you mean? Well, that's actually, don't work. Well, the, the in media infrastructure. Yeah, when the I, broad, I'm thinking most of it's the information stops flowing, yeah, or stops giving answers to explain away the problems, what yeah. this means, how to, we can, how to, we can ex- fix to explain this. away the stress. Yeah, because that's what helps them cope with the stressors mm. as they pile up. You know, mm-hmm. that's why COVID was such a big, and the lockdowns were such a big uh, issue for people because nobody had any immediate solutions, nobody had any explanation as to what's going on I mean nobody in the media and nobody in government you know so it was people were very disturbed by that um, mm. and also because it directly affected their lives you know so it's a it's a combination of two things there most of these things that, that are happening in the world that amount to a, a crazy world don't directly affect people's lives yet mm, yeah 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 most people in the west anyway and most people around the world really there's no direct impact on people's lives yet Right. It's, it's building up, building up ahead of steam to, to the point where will maybe at some point soon in the near future start to directly impact people's lives. And then they're going well, to look to the media and government for explanations. How, how, what's going on and how do we fix this and, and how do you fix this? And the government will give answers and uh, it won't fix anything. And then, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, so yes, crazy world. Tell us about the crazy world, Neil. What's, been, what's, what's, what's crazy? <laughs> Uh, Come on, you have to substantiate your, your, your argument that it's a crazy world. What happened this past week, basically? Well, the assassination of Shinzo Abe yeah. in Japan. Par for the course, no? Resignation of Boris Johnson. Whatever. Who cares? Um, glad, glad to see the back of him. Bring the, on Liz Truss. Another mass shooting in the US. Meh. One more. Uh, see, it's not so crazy. It's normal. <laughs> that's what I mean you see the, everything that happens is normal yeah. in the sense that there isn't really a radical with one exception COVID was a radical break and that actually did have normies going okay what why you know mm. um, now in, in their fear though they also did nothing so they in a sense they st- my argument is still correct that they still normalized they, they adapted to it 
remarkably well. They quickly. shouldn't. They shouldn't. They be. should not have. But yeah. Um, uh, so well, all these things are. Yeah, the last week's news are normal, and yet uh, they're not. Depends they're how. Not. It depends what yardstick you use for normal. Basically, if you use the, you if know, you're using nineteen nineties. Yeah, if you're using last week as a reference point for whether this week has been normal, then yeah, it's been normal because last week was crazy too. Um, but yeah, that mass shooting, another mass shooting. Yeah, uh, again, I know it's mo- it was Monday, so it's almost a week ago, and not a lot has been said though about it really, uh, and that which which kind of backs up your your point that it's um, it's been normalized, right? It's been a relatively muted response. Hmm. I suppose the more those kind of shootings that happen, the more people are just going to go, no, nah, they're just going to push. Them. Yeah, that happened. That happens. That happens quite regularly. Big deal. Uh, it used to be a bigger deal, but over the past number of years, it's become, yeah, normal. Um, but on that point, so the thing that's st- that just jumped out for me at this at, at this stage, like I know it's, there's been many, many similar mass shootings in the US, but what stood out for me in terms of the response, the public response to it was whether or not he was a lefty or a righty. Yeah. People went to that inane kind of talking point immediately. So is he a Trumper or is he a, a Democrat, basically? You know, which is he? And, and that would then explain something. Was that going to explain it? But, like, they forget the fact that, what is he, 22? 22 years old? I think he wasn't even 23. 22 21. years old. Or 21, yeah. Yeah. Um, kids at that at that age, don't have strong political views. Much less and a strategy about how to capitalise on right. the political climate. And if they do say they have strong political views, they'll change from one week to the next. So it's irrelevant what part of the political divide he thought he might have been on or whatever. Um, it's obviously not the, the, the <laughs> not the topic that you need to be discussing as to figure out what, if you want to try and figure out what caused it or what why he did it. Forget about party politics, you know. Right. Um, but it was the first thing, and it was it was all yeah, over that Twitter, was it. social media first. Um, and then it I turned think, out he was I a bit of both. It came from like, well, it was hor- it was horrifying. So it's it it still has a traumatic effect, even if it's much shorter lasting. Terror mm. wears off over time, mm-hmm. but it, still, each time it happens, it has a traumatizing effect. Mm. So in the first twenty four forty eight hours, the effect was to ameliorate the stress. Each side would go, "He was your guy." Mm. And the other one would say, no, he was your guy. Mm. And you, you, can, you can see why it was confusing to both, because just look at him. Like, yeah. You're it, thinking left, right? Right. Just by appearances. Yeah. Um, but then it's his social media track record, which is uh, a bit weird. A because mixed bag. Both, you have both things going on. That's why He attended away. Trump rallies for sure. Mm. He spotted there at them. Uh, he himself posted. He also um, welcomed... I, I couldn't figure out. They said that the video he posted was the presidential motorcade arriving in 2020, which would make... I guess that would be Trump then. And there, he's hollering there. He's there with his father. His father's right at the end of this short video. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're whooping, USA, USA. So I'm guessing his daddy is a Republican, vote, voted pro-Trump, and he was there with him. Right. So, okay, the end of story. He's a Trumper. But no, in his most recent social media track record, he's liking President Biden's mm-hmm. yeah. tweet or whoever's tweeting on his behalf. Which speaks to what I just said, that he, he's not. He, he, doesn't doesn't, he doesn't have an opinion, basically, yeah. in, in that respect. He doesn't have anything, any kind of opinion that's worth talking about. So there's some other reason why he did it uh, or why he was there, let's say. But just on that point, there's a couple of interesting news reports. And I'm again, again, 
we've talked about mass shootings in the US a lot uh, over the years, and um, there's always something strange or weird about, well, almost always there's something strange and anomalous about them. And um, there's something else I want to bring up about the Avalde shooting a couple of weeks ago uh, that is in line with that. But we'll just look at this first one. This one is from, um, I don't know, some news nation. What's news nation? I don't know. Anyway, uh, they speak to an eyewitness. Just play that. Maybe not all of it, but we'll get to the point that we want to uh, discuss. Go straight to Michael Schwartz, who is joining us right now. He's a witness who was there. Uh, Michael what exactly happened? Can you explain it for us? Well, first of all, uh, my wife is confined to a wheelchair, and I was there along with my two-week-old grandson who was in a buggy, so we did not have the option of fleeing. We had to stay there, uh, kind of laying on the ground. I had my wife as, as close to the ground as I could get her in the wheelchair, and the baby buggy, we had them both positioned behind something that uh, was somewhat of a protection. But because of this, and, and partially because I couldn't believe that this was not fireworks, I stood up to see what was going on, and, and I've really got to – I know this is going to go against the grain of what people are saying, but I saw the shooter. I saw his gun uh, in between the rounds. I stood up uh, because he was reloading, and I, and I thought it was safe, and I saw him. He was uh, a young kid, skinny. And uh, he was in a, a, a military shooting position very close to the ground, the kind of position only a young, skinny kid could get into. And when he began shooting again, I hit the ground again. But I had a good look at this guy. He was not on a rooftop. He was on the street. He was right behind the, uh, the, the street post that had a stop sign on it. And he was shooting from behind that. This information about being on a rooftop, just because there there was a, uh, an access to the rooftop, doesn't mean he was there. I mean, I okay. saw this kid, and I, you, by the way, um, I saw when he got up and ran. When the gunfire stopped, I looked, and he got up and ran, and I saw him run north on Second Street. And at that point, I knew we were safe, and I was able to get my wife and uh, uh, our grandchild out of there safely. Um, okay, just pause there, uh, or we can stop it there. Um, so that's basically, it seems like a reasonably coherent and lucid uh, eyewitness testimony of this skinny little kid shooting on the ground, reloading, I think he goes on to say he, reload, he reloaded once, fired about, you know, he said about 30 shots for each each time, twice, so 60 rounds, let's say about 30, 30 bullet magazine or whatever, um, and then he walked off. Uh, uh, up the street. Uh, so just go to this next one. Her name's Gabriela Martinez. Here because her niece was injured in the, in trying to get away from the shooting, but thankfully not one of those 19 gunshot victims injured. We do want to toss to a sot from her so you can hear a first-hand account of a woman who was there and is now again here at North Shore's Hospital in Highland Park. Take a listen. I actually saw the shooter on top of Roth Cosmetics. He was in the roof on top of Roth Cosmetics, shooting towards the angle, not like towards the, like, I don't know if it's towards the parade or people, but like towards where we were. And we all ducked down, and then I started screaming for my niece, my little nephew, her husband, my daughter, 
then I think he was reloading. I don't, I don't even know. Like as soon as you, when you're in that situation, like you really don't know what to do because you start getting into a panic mode. And I got up, I grabbed my daughter. She slipped out of my hands twice, and I was getting really scared that she was gonna get shot. So I tried to like cover her against my body so that if, it, if she got shot, I would get shot first. And then as soon as I was able to see Uncle Dan's, I pushed her in the store. Okay. Her name's uh, Gabriella. That's good enough. So, so you got two pretty clear, you know, accounts. First one, very lucid, hiding behind a stop sign, saw a skinny little kid shooting, two, two reloaded once, then walked off. Guy was very clear, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this one, she was equally clear. And, you know, Ross Cosmetics knew the building, saw him on top of Ross Cosmetics shooting at the crowd from that. But so those two things can't be true. Neither They're mutually exclusive, effectively, those two accounts. One person has to be completely wrong uh, well, because the guy walked off, the, according to police reports and stuff, there was only 60 shots fired, and that fits with uh, the, the first guy's account. Um, well, they've upgraded that now to say over 70 shots. Right, over 70. What's that, 72? All the videos that capture the entire duration, it's you can count them yourself at 60. Yeah. 60 audible rounds. Right, for sure. So, but then adding on more shots could be, you know, actually... From a suppressed weapon. Well, it adds to the, the questions around, around, mm-hmm. around the, the, the it, story. There's another short video. We'll just watch it and then we can discuss a bit more. Just throw that one up, Scotty. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Thus, uh, further the investigation and aid investigators. One point I just want to clarify is Robert Cremo III, he's 21. He'll be 22 in September of this year and he's a resident of Highwood. So throughout the past 24 hours, investigators have spoken with numerous witnesses, some of the survivors. Uh, They've had the opportunity to review numerous video clips, uh, both from cell phone video recordings and fixed cameras in the area, and they've uh, conducted a number of other follow-up investigations. And based on where we're at at this point in the investigation, and some of this is still preliminary, so is subject to change as we keep moving forward, but we do believe Cremo pre-planned this attack for several weeks. Uh, he brought a high-powered rifle to this parade. He accessed the roof of a business via a fire escape ladder and began opening fire on the innocent Independence Day celebration goers. The rifle was purchased in Illinois, and the information we have thus far is that it appears to have been purchased legally by Cremo. Uh, during the attack, Primo was dressed in woman's clothing, and investigators do believe he did this to conceal his facial tattoos and his identity and help him mm. during the escape uh, with the other people who were fleeing the chaos. During the attack, we believe that Cremo fired more than 70 rounds from this rifle into the crowd of innocent people. Following the attack, Cremo exited the roof, he dropped his rifle, and he blended in with the crowd, and he escaped. Uh, he right, walked... Family. He walked, whatever, north. He walked to his mother's house, right. got the car. She had no idea what had just happened. Yeah. Borrowed her car and drove off to Wisconsin for eight hours. Mm. On his way back into Illinois, he was stopped in a, a traffic, routine traffic stop. Right. Um, yeah, that's so. He, by the time he got home, obviously he didn't appear like a woman to his mother because no. she didn't ask any questions. Right. Um, so somebody dressed up as a woman or more, even more than one person dressed up as a woman, it's it's a very good uh, a man, obviously, dressed up as a woman and shooting. It's a good, good cover, right? It's a good oh, it's day. very good, especially if you don't intend to ever get caught. Right. But so, Primo was caught. 
Right. As Cremo, so, not as a woman. Right. And he bought, the, you were mentioning earlier that he bought these, these guns. Give a little rundown of his background. Uh. Oh, it's nuts. I mean, first of all, Highland Park County was the first county in the United States in 2013 to ban assault rifles. Mm-hmm. It was challenged on Second Amendment claims, uh, counterclaims, like you can't just do that. Mm-hmm. They succeeded in court and the ban was upheld. You cannot have, own, possess, whatever, buy these weapons in, in this county. county. Now, the four weapons in question, or five, whatever he owned in the end, were purchased just across the way somewhere else. Okay, so that's how he did it. But he should not have got the weapons by all the laws in the books that it currently exists. You know, they're like, gun control, we need more gun control. There are plenty of gun control laws in the books, not least the fact that in 2019, here, let's pull up the CNN article, actually, and we'll follow there right, down, right up off it. <clears throat> Police were at his house twice in 2019, just before he started buying weapons. Over domestic disturbance, um, it's unclear who called because by the time the police got there, both parents said, it's fine, it's fine, nothing's wrong. I, I suspect it's his sister because she's redacted. A 28-year-old woman is redacted from the mm-hmm. final reports, which they have published. So if you scroll down to begin with, Cremo had two encounters. I think it's carry on down somewhere in the midsection. Keep going. Uh, keep going. Here we go. Gunman had prior contact with police. Um, Cremo had two encounters with police in 2019 over fears for his safety and that of others. Uh, the Highland Park, so local police, Highland Park Police Department received a report in April 2019 that Cremo had earlier attempted suicide. That's the first one. In September that year, a relative, unnamed, redacted, probably a sister, reported that Cremo threatened family members to, quote, kill everyone and had a collection of knives. Police removed 16 knives, a dagger and a sword, a samurai sword from their home. Highland Park, again, local police, submitted a, quote, clear and present danger report about the visit to the Illinois State Police. So that's passing it up the chain to, to uh, state level. Family members were not willing to file additional complaints yeah, so in filling up the backstory of this, they, the police explained that uh, the parents did not want this to become a case. They did not want this to go on his record. You know, they started to protect him, whatever, despite cops being called out over, you know, risk of violence. Over well, the next two years, uh, Cremo, actually beginning in December, I don't know if that's explained here, but two months, three months after this second police call out, over the next two years, Cremo legally purchased five guns. Um, rifles, pistols, possibly a shotgun. And state sti- police can confirm Tuesday that will passed four background checks. Four background checks between June and September 2021. Um, Which included checks of the Federal National Instant, Instant Criminal Background Check System. doesn't work very well, does it? No, it doesn't. You see, this report that was filed by the local cops was sent up to state level. It should have triggered his uh, background check and he should have been denied at the point of sale at this gun store in just across county lines in, in the neighboring county so the gun clerk the, the owner of the store would have immediately had it on his i'm not selling you the weapon mm-hmm. it didn't why the hell not well uh <clears throat> illinois state police published an update wednesday three days ago claiming that 
just just before you go that to buy guns in the paragraph there to buy guns in Illinois people need a firearm owner's identification card Cremo was under 21 so he was sponsored by his father that's right I know nuts so it's legal that's that is a way around not having the proper ID for it that's one right aspect but where the trigger that normally would have been kicked in like underage didn't because his father I mean, imagine it's, that, that is ridiculous on the face of it that if you're under 21 your parent can sponsor you, sworn affidavit, blah, 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 blah. But what's the point in having the law and saying, no, the cutoff point for weapons is right. 21. Right. If there's a workaround. Right. Okay, but whatever. But that's his nothing father, to do with the background checks, really. No, separately, it didn't matter what his father did or didn't do. He still shouldn't have been able to get a gun. He should not. The four background checks were not triggered as to the clear, the quote, it's a functional document. It's a working document they've had for 10 years at least in the state of Illinois. In fact, since the 1990s, it's been super advanced in terms of triggering red law flags about who can get weapons. Why wasn't it triggered? The clear and present danger report should have. Well, there's just been a quiet update to that um, by the Illinois State Police, presumably after people started talking about this. Um, published Wednesday, sorry, that's actually f- four days ago. It's just a one-page press release. And the only clarification on that matter as to why the, quote, clear and present danger report did not trigger is, a, oh gosh, can we, can we blow it up? Probably not. Anyway, they only mention at the very end of it, um, Yes, go around to the bottom. I think it's in the last paragraph. Um, Illinois law. Um, the, the text I'm looking for is upon review. There it is. It's the last sentence of this paragraph. Upon review of the report at that time, the report, the clear and present danger report attached to this individual, the reviewing officer, presumably at the Illinois State Police level, Mm -hmm. concluded there was insufficient information for a clear and present determination. And so it was not on his file. Mm -hmm. As far as local police was concerned, there was justification. And so Mm -hmm. they wanted it filed with the state. And if someone at state said, nah, and nah, within weeks, right. within weeks, he begins buying firearms. Yeah, that that could be ideology. That could be like a pro gun. I know. I think you know, be who awful. knows? Or it could be. It could be something that was you know part of a, a plan. You know, because well, people like to admit it or not, there's a lot of evidence that these kind of shootings, uh, the shooters in these kind of shootings, have had help, have had inside help, etc., and that you know a lot of the shootings have been to one extent or another orchestrated by forces. Unseen, unknown. Um, I just want to go back to Uvalde, and it kind of speaks to what I just said. This is the Uvalde shooting in Texas from a couple of weeks ago, and this is the mayor of Uvalde. Um, you can just play that, and I'll stop you at the the relevant point. Mon inspiration vient des relations. C'est pour ça qu'on a créé ce café associatif. C'est un lieu de rencontre. Why? Yeah, Frenchies. The cover up on uh, on DPI. They're covering up. McGraw's covering up for for who? For maybe his agencies or 
you know, maybe he told the story he told that, you know, it's hard, you know, what do they say? The, the, it's always hard when you tell a lie. Do you have to keep telling a lie? I'm not saying he's lying. Maybe he was misled with the information. But he, he hasn't got. changed his story, right? No, Since but that also, Friday, he did, and then he did the Senate hearing, and, yeah, and I think that which was it, which was which was even more. He was even more emphatic about Chief Arredondo being the man who was responsible for everything here, blaming everything on him. Well, again, I, you know, you know, every agency in that hallway is going to have to share the blame. And like I said, again, I'll go back to when have you ever seen a federal or state law enforcement officer take their cues from local law enforcement? DPS is a big agency. That's really the only point that I wanted to talk about. So uh, uh, he just said, when do you, he said, when have you ever seen federal or or state police take their cues from local police? So he's basically, he's talking about cover up, uh, somebody covering up, and he mentions. uh, McCraw, which is the Texas Department of Public Safety director, um, which is a, a federal post, so it's, he's pushing it up a line, basically, and what he's saying is that uh, it's not that, that this guy, uh, McCraw, if he's part of a cover-up, uh, he, he's putting the blame back on local law enforcement and stuff that they didn't do what was necessary to stop the shooting in Uvalde. But as the mayor there rightfully says, when have you ever said, seen local law enforcement take their orders from higher up the chain of command, basically, which would be yeah. uh, fed, state or federal police officers. And they were both involved. And by federal, effectively, in this case, you mean in the FBI. So the FBI were involved here. So he's basically saying that either the state at, at either the state or the federal level, i.e. the FBI level, uh, orders were given to do something. We still don't know, and maybe we'll never know, because there's a lot of secrecy around the Evalda shooting. Uh, there's a lot of recriminations and finger-pointing and stuff, but there's obviously those... The, the problem in, in that case, in that shooting, was that uh, police didn't do what they should have done. Who told them to not do what they should have done? That's what's being covered up, effectively. Yeah. Uh, I, I smelled a rat when... It had been all quiet for a couple of days on Uvalde. And then breaking news, international... Um, Basically, local police were hung out to dry. Yeah. That's I think, yeah. that's someone has jumped the gun there, like right. to go straight out and hang out the local cops. Right. Um, when we know there were federal uh, people who responded as well. Right. And hunting down orders. Uh, again, the FBI puts me in mind of the Las Vegas shooting, um, and the really, if people remember, the really creepy. I can't remember his name now, but remember that creepy FBI. Regional director, maybe it was standing in the background all the time in Las Vegas. In Las, sorry, in Las Vegas, yeah. yeah. When he was shooting, uh, when they were they were giving press conferences about the the shooting and stuff, uh, yeah. And I think I mentioned this last week uh, about the FBI. The FBI, <laughs> FBI's bread and butter is terror plots, right? It's it's um, effectively organizing individuals, uh, vulnerable, susceptible. Uh, you know, uh, manipulatable individuals to place them in a position where they can be uh, arrested and accused of planning or plotting to carry out terror attacks Mm. or some kind of attack against America. Um, That's what the FBI has done for for a long, long time. That's that's the main, uh, a major part of their of their activities. Um, well, we know that the so, Uvalde Ramos, uh, that 18-year-old, was talking to someone who was, quote, a retired FBI right. agent. Yeah. 
and internet chat rooms in the weeks leading yeah. up to it. For, for me, it's very easy. I mean, it, it's it's in the it's in the media. It's in the mainstream media, right? I mean, there's plenty. We will put a link in the in the in the notes for the show. But um, there's been several mainstream media investigations and reports into FBI terror plots going back over ten or fifteen years uh, that say explicitly that the FBI was effectively behind. 90 plus percent or most of those terror plots. The FBI themselves created them out of whole cloth, brought them almost to fruition, and then arrested the so-called or would-be perpetrators and claimed that this was a great success for the FBI in uh, foiling a terror plot. I mean, that's 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 a matter of public record at this point. It's accepted by the mainstream media even. So if, if that's accepted and, and you can see, and there's lots of evidence for it because they don't just, they're not just spitballing, they're actually providing evidence from the from not so much from the FBI but primarily from informants who were involved in these essentially phony terror plots created by the FBI, uh, if if that's a matter of record, why can't that be transferred to very similar situations, which was uh, as the, the terror plots, which is uh, mass shootings? They're they're in essence the same, right? Mm-hmm. They're a, they're an assault, a violent assault with a significant number of deaths on the body on the public. Basically, yeah. um, so there's not much there's not much to choose between those two, for, as far as I'm concerned. And when I see the FBI involved in mass shootings in some way or other, particularly in the response, and possibly being involved in suppressing this response of local law enforcement, well, then I'm mean, like, it's not a stretch mm-hmm. for me anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah. not much more to say about that, I suppose. And just leave it at uh, leave it hanging. <laughs> well, that's that's what that's why yeah, that's all you can do. That's why they're they're arguably the more effective, the creepier than the previous iteration of Islamist terror attacks. Islamist terror attacks, at least there was like it was vague and it was nebulous and it could always be easily picked apart. But there was a it, there was a, a reasonably plausible enemy you, that people could hang their hat on and you know, direct their anger at. It was foreign. It was usually Muslim. Um, and there's some vague political motive to it. Well, we want to get the Americans out of the Holy Land or mm-hmm. something like that. That mm-hmm. was Osama bin Laden's mm-hmm. first political explanation for it. They gradually got crappier, crappier and crappier as you got to ISIS. But uh, at least there was something vaguely political about it. Now there's nothing. People are left to fight as to whether he's your side or my side. Mm-hmm. And that's it. What's in it? They're, they're bleached of all politics. It's, it's apolitical. It's in it. Well, it's... And people are like, what do I... Well, it's never apolitical What do I blame? Uh, but it's not apolitical because at the, the, at the basis is the pro-anti-gun uh, debate, right? And that's what really... It, it, the recent shootings really have been stoking within America. And it's interesting to see that evolution of it from uh, the beginning. And, and like you said, like you right, rightfully said, it, it went from terror plots or terror attacks in America, domestic, went um, from Muslim of some description to white nationalism or something, or, or just domestic, just not, right, if there, no longer Muslim. If, if there is a political narrative attached to it, it's that one. Right. There haven't been really any radical lefty gun attacks, have there? That For that specific purpose, like for... Uh, uh, not narrative-wise, although there have been some with links to... Possible links, but lefty, most yeah. of it has been on the right-wing, yeah. white, supposedly white supremacist, etc. Pro-Trump. Pro-Trump, very 
young young people, etc. So it's interesting to see that how how that uh, that has evolved from being a thing that was obviously always focused on it caused uh, chaos or, or or dissent or problems within in, in American society, but it went from the rationale for the for the shootings being uh, an external factor like get out of Palestine, get out of Syria, get out of Iraq, whatever. To now it's just. Well, it's internal. It's an it's an American-made well, problem, and it's internal it's to America. It's unspoken, but what it is is, do, don't you dare vote for Trump again. Yeah, don't you dare. Or was, we're doing more of this. Maybe, and you don't know where we'll get you. Yeah, that's that's the unspoken threat here. Yeah, but they were there before. So it's supercharged politics. Actually, yeah. it has the appearance of being apolitical. But I don't imagine it's, even it's if Trump, high politics. Yeah, if I don't imagine if Trump is never elected again, that they'll stop. No, I think at this point they're fairly sure that Trump won't be elected again. But they continue. So there's an agenda there. If assuming coming at it from the, from from it being a an organised, uh, you know, deliberately kind of. Well, know. then then the broadening out. It's like, don't you dare go against us. Yeah, or in any way, or not even a message. Just just to sow chaos within society. You know, sow chaos within and sow division within within American society. Keep people at each other's throats, divided, scared. Um, because I mean, well, on a very basic level, that always serves government and the political elite is when the people are fighting amongst themselves rather than fighting, fighting, uh, looking towards the people in positions of power as the problem essentially. Um, so yeah, shootings seem to be on the on the rise. There's a couple actually just recently in South Africa. Again, it's strange to see 18 people killed in South Africa in two bars. Barely, barely makes the news. You know, it's a footnote in a lot of the news. Mm. Gunmen going in. Of course, I that's, heard that. that's going. That's just you know, to do with drugs, alcohol, kind of um, you know, uh, trafficking, kind of racket, trafficking yeah. type thing. Going in evening scores or something, almost like the Mexican stuff. You know, and there's so many shootings going in Mexico on a on a regular basis, and it's just taken as a right. it's normalized, Normal. right? Uh, especially in the West, it's normalized. Of course, it's not normalized in in those countries, right? Especially in the local communities or in, in South Africa right now. There's a lot of people who aren't <laughs> are pretty freaked out about you know gunmen shooting up bars full of effectively young people between 19 and 30 or 35. I think the the, the 18 18 victims were. Um, was there a black white element where the shooter was one and the victims were the other? Don't think so. No. I think because I mean the majority because that would be an easy thing to yeah. exploit in South Africa. Yeah, there's no mention of that, and I don't think it was. I think it was primarily uh, black South Africans okay. who were killed. Um, it's kind of part of the course. Um, on the as eve scene, of, of the, course. the July Fourth shooting, there was a mass. It was a mass shooting in Copenhagen, Denmark. Never happens, right. or rarely happens. The right. last time was. Something similar was 2015. Mm-hmm. Although that was that was unique, it was different as well. Um, uh, last well, last one, the last week's one in Denmark was like 22 year old, same age, mm. just did it cause mm. was he shot dead or caught? I can't remember. Um, victims Danish. They were initially running with. They were like. You can see where they wanted to go. Oh, boy. Mm. Some white Dane is going to kill some Muslims. Oh, mm. he didn't, actually. They were two Dane Danes and uh, a Russian. So yeah. And then it just dropped. Yeah. And then the other one, obviously, this week was uh, Shinzo Abe. Abe? Abe? Abe. 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 A pretty uh, unfortunate end to his... Yeah. I think he was over 80, wasn't he? Was he over 80? No, no, 67. 
Really? Yeah, yeah, he was young. He, he only quit as prime minister because he was right. sick with yep. cancer. Maybe the only thing I can hold out that uh, for any kind of a conspiracy potential of a political of a higher political motive was that he might have been getting well again and thinking about coming back. Right. But there's, I'm totally spitballing here because there's no mention of that anyway. No, and why would so, he, why would anybody want to take one? So absent that, him? there's nothing. I don't see any political reason for. Well, the only other political, except that he was killed by another. Well, the main thing was that the main thing, the only political thing that stands out is that today they're having parliamentary elections in Japan. Okay. Uh, to determine the number of seats for different parties in, in, in Japan. For the upper house, which is apparently it's like their senate. No, not even. It's more like the House of Lords. It's like yeah. unimportant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's why he was giving a speech. He was campaigning on behalf of someone else. He mm -hmm. wasn't running himself. Right. So how much do we... Oh, it's hard to tease that out, but how, I mean, the, the profile of the guy who shot him seems to be <clears throat> similar, kind of slightly, you know, not very, not very well-balanced individual um, and uh, with a history of, you know, claiming that he's going to shoot people or shoot, shoot specifically shoot, shoot Shinzo Abe and um, Abe and... Um, so, so well, how do we? Police, police interviewing him said he's he's me, he's compass mentis, he's sane. Yeah. Um, uh, Forty-one years old, had been in the navy for three years back in the two thousands. Um, Tetsuya Yamagami told investigators he had plotted to kill Abe because be, because he believed rumors about the former leader's connection to a certain organization that police did not identify. Uh huh. Um, yeah. local media citing police sources said the killer Yamagami told police he believed Abe was linked to a religious group he blamed the shooter blamed for ruining his mother financially and breaking up the right. family right is that a personal grievance yeah. there is it could well child? be it could well be but it's, and it's, it contrasts the two shootings uh, the shooting of of the Japanese, former Japanese Prime Minister was uh, effectively recorded on camera. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, you know, the, the shooting is actually, you know, can, can be can be seen effectively. He, he him being arrested, um, the gun he used it was homemade kind of. Have you sort seen of, a photo of it? Yeah, gun. Can, can we put it up? Yeah, just it's just like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Um, he. Yeah. I, but if you if you contrast the the two, you know, uh, the the confusion or the contradictions around the the July Fourth shooting in the in, in the U.S. in Chicago and this one, this one's kind of like pretty open and closed. You know, yeah. it's like he's just a crazy guy. Yeah, uh, you could you'd be excused for saying, well, there's the same in in Chicago. He was just a crazy guy who just you know shot people, right? But you have to put it in context. Um, you have to put the the shooting in Chicago in the context of a long history of mass shootings, and like I just like we were talking about, you know, of, of there possibly being some uh, some involvement of other people. Can we see that photo? Yeah, that's like it, it's a piece of wood, two barrels, uh, black tape. And some what kind of the a, hell? Some kind of electrical. Uh, it, you know. Joe Biden, he totally wrecked it, but he tried to make the he tried to link this tragedy with the issue of gun control in the U.S. He mm. says, "You know, Japan now has one." I don't even know what he said. I, 
I, I don't even know what he was trying to say. He totally mumbled and fumbled it. It's often but I think he was trying to highlight the lack of gun deaths in Japan generally compared to the US. And you see, we could have a country like that. But he was speaking at the news of the death of Shinzo Abe. Mm. He was to- totally fluffing it because that doesn't give Japan any sucker whatsoever. Yeah. The fact that you can't even have guns, you have to make your own. And it totally goes against his point. What this proves is the yeah. NRA's argument. Guns don't kill people. Right, people. People. And they'll find kill a way. People. And if they want to, they'll find a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But Biden is full bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, what else has been going on? Um. Russia's been getting a bit... Uh, revolution obstre- everywhere. Obstre- oh, revolution. Okay, revolution in uh, Sri Lanka. Yeah. Revolution. Uh, well, is well, it revolution? That, this flared up earlier a few months ago, but it, I don't know. It's, it's been going on quiet. longer than that. Has it been going on continuously? Not, remember, we showed some amazing videos in March or something. Um, I've got one here of uh, the size of the crowd this week. I thought they'd already done this. The, the news this week was that protests have stormed the president's palace. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just for the second time. And now there's photos of him like all jumping in the pool and hanging out in his bedroom and everything. So that's the president's palace in, near Colombo in what, Sri Lanka. At the beach. Uh, <coughs> right on the beach. Size huh? of that group. That's the palace there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically, yeah, the same as other places. It's cost of living. It's just like, People are like, we're, we're, we're starving here. Um, can you stop, please, with your green agenda? And governments go, yeah, sure, we'll stop. And then they bring in a new government and they just start doing the same thing. Um, mm. Green, green, green. You, you published a list this week of countries with major protests. Mm. Um, is that, did you feta some somewhere else or did you kind of follow and yeah, come up with Yeah, I thought somewhere, yeah. Okay. I counted, it was 25. And it reminded me that the last time I've seen maybe this kind of level scale of protests around the world was just before COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Uh, back then, about a quarter of the world's countries had major mass protests. And the thing that was linking them was either green agenda stuff or neo- slash neoliberal economic drives that mm-hmm. were causing mm-hmm. austerity. And COVID put a stop to Tightening that. the belt, you know, people. Yeah. So COVID was just an interlude in that. Yeah. And it's just, it, 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 it didn't make it, it, it go away. It an artificial dip, but yeah. now we're back on the same upward curve. Right. Well, the, I mean, just an example of the kind of mass, the, the egregious bullshit that comes out of the US government and how they just can't stop blaming Russia for everything. Uh, the, the Sri Lanka, which those images on Sri Lanka and the events in Sri Lanka of, of recent have been blamed, of course, by um, uh, Blinken, the US, US government effectively on, guess who? Putin. Yeah. Headline, Blinken sees Russia food blockage as factor in Sri Lanka turmoil. Yeah. Blinken would because Blinken's Blinken blind. Yeah. Uh, and this is despite the fact that a cursory, you know, a cursory look at Wikipedia, for example, if you just throw it up, uh, you just don't have to read very far, but, you know, it's a 2019 to present Sri Lankan economic right, crisis. Started in 2019. Pre-COVID. And if you just actually go down to the next section there on background, uh, according to a former deputy governor of the Central Bank of Sri Lanka, the country was long a long way into an economic crisis in 2015. But ignore that. 
Russia did it. Yeah. I mean, it's just these people have no shame, like in, in terms of uh, Russia's to blame for everything. And, and apparently, is any? I don't think anybody believes them anymore. But they keep saying it, except their buddies at the G seven, right? So we're talking to each other, basically. Uh, yeah, but that whole that economic crisis, it wasn't so much a green... I don't know if it was a greening of the economy or whatever. It was just mismanagement of the economy and mismanagement of agriculture. Like, a few years ago, they decided they were going to turn the entire uh, agricultural production organic. in Sri Lanka into... Uh, turn it organic, basically. So they, they stopped importing fertilizers and pesticides and all that kind of stuff because they're going to go organic, right? Uh, and it didn't work, right? They tried to do it you know, figuratively overnight. And it was just a disaster. You can't retool a system like that in a very short period of time without causing serious serious problems. Um, so I think it was, in, in the case of Sri Lanka, it's, it really is just a matter of, of fecklessness and uh, and probably a lot of corruption involved in it too. There were probably deals uh, going on uh, behind the scenes that were, you know, that that were part of this uh, going, going, going organic. Um, yeah. But um, could be bribes. Yeah. So it's more of a corruption mismanagement and just, you know, thing in Sri Lanka. But of course, it happens at a time when things in general economically in, in, in the world aren't um, aren't in the best condition, aren't in the best state. So uh, but specifically, you notice it's, it's only really in Sri Lanka. I know I posted a list of, of countries, uh, a long list of countries, but people complaining, but None, none of the rest none of them, of them are, are, are well, to the extent that you're seeing in Sri Lanka, where they're actually, where the, where the president has, um, you know, left the country basically, and they're swimming in his swimming pool in his presidential <laughs> okay. palace. It's not that. It's not. It's not, it hasn't gone that far in other countries. There's protests, etc. Well, the one Netherlands. The, Netherlands, yes. Again, as farmers, Rutte you know? doesn't have a swimming pool because he lives right with the plebs in the city. But he's uh, been in the bunker soon. Uh, maybe no, but what's going on there? Like the media is so quiet about it. Well, again, it's it's a green. It's it's the government expropriating or, or you know uh, expropriating farmers' land, shutting down farm farmland basically for uh, yeah. In this case, for a green agenda, and that's why I say it's different from Sri Lanka. You know, it, it, Sri Lanka I don't see it as, as the the kind of Western neoliberal uh, green of the, greening of the economy agenda. There it was something just stupidity, basically. You know what I mean. But in in Holland, yeah, for sure, it's it's them trying to meet their ah uh, here. That's also stupidity. It is stupidity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 I mean, it's not. It's 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 not specifically the meeting of carbon emissions, etc. Uh, carbon carbon emission uh, levels by by Western governments. They're the ones who are fully on that. That's not really a thing in the rest of the world. You may have mm-hmm. noticed. It's not a, in outside of the international community, i.e., America, North America, and uh, and Western Europe. The greening of economy of the economy and and. Turning the economy into a you know sustainable uh, economy to uh, limit carbon emissions and stuff isn't something that has been taken up by most of the rest of the world. Uh, so the Holland thing is right. very much in that ballpark, um, and yeah, it's causing farmers to mm, get quite irate and to protest. And it's interesting that it's only. In, in Holland, you know, that, that, that this is happening. Maybe it's because Holland is a small country. It has more immediate impact whenever you do that. Uh, it's probably specific. You, you're going to see stuff like that happening in, probably in smaller countries as they try to push these uh, this green agenda on smaller countries. The effect is going to be felt much more quickly than in bigger countries. Yeah. 
It's a small country, but it's incredible. That tiny country, especially packed with people as it is, mm. is Europe's largest exporter of meat, mm. cattle. Mm-hmm. And this would be this would be yep. why they were because they were seeking to affect uh, a thirty percent drop in nitrogen usage. I think, mm-hmm. which farmers just did the math and went, "You're talking about closing a third of our farms." Mm-hmm. That's what that effectively. That's what would be required here. Mm-hmm. No, so putting us out of work basically. Yeah, making us redundant. Yeah, so. Uh, but there's similar agendas. Talk of, of similar agendas in Ireland, for example. There, there's yes. talk of doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it's interesting that they're cutting. The agenda seems to be primarily focused on cutting uh, cattle farming, like reducing cattle farming in these countries. I.e., reducing the meat supply. That's the end result: is reducing the meat supply by a significant amount because everybody's going to eat insects anyway, or are going to eat grass, or going to eat. <coughs> vegetables and, and, and insects so uh, you don't need meat anyway um, it's a chicken and egg question why if they're so obsessed with the shortage there isn't enough meat for everyone to eat why are they actually bringing about the situation where there isn't enough meat for everyone to eat why run to the problem why create the problem to highlight the fact that there is a problem well I mean and thereby cause massive social you know, unrest it's, it's like a ma- it's like if you um, if you're under the impression that that there's a a storm coming in that respect, and I mean, it's a, you know, I know it's 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 a big has been for a long time uh, a big conspiracy theory the idea of depopulation, right? Um, but it's not so much depopulation as um, something that's that's it's more mainstream and more accepted ma- mainstream, and is part of the whole green green agenda is that the planet is overpopulated and it's the carrying capacity of the planet has been uh, in terms for carrying the, the number of people on the planet is, has passed that point basically it's no longer sustainable that's why you keep talking about sustainability it's no longer sustainable do you think it's objectively true or have these people well, talked themselves into that being true over the last 30 well, years either I don't know either or but I, I would say like for a lot of them maybe they've bought onto it and they have and maybe it's true is it true how, how do you get metrics for that? I don't know. Um, how do you, how do you model that? Maybe we need your guy. Um, what do you call him? Ferguson, who mo- did the modeling for COVID. We need him to do a modeling for uh, for for the population, the, the carrying capacity of the population, and whether we passed it a long time ago already. But well, if problems. they have their models and they say that that's the case, and they've bought on, they've they've signed on to that that belief or that agenda that that the planet is overpopulated, and that this is going to cause serious problems when you have obviously. You're not going to be able to feed everybody and provide water for everybody, and there's going to be mass chaos, and it'll hit a point where it'll just spill over borders, and it'll be it'll just be a disaster. Well, then what you need to do is you need to manage that, uh, rather than just wait for it to happen. You manage the the downfall effectively, or the radical overhauling of global society, and in the case of what we're talking here in the West, Western society, manage the restructuring, radical restructuring of Western society. Um, uh, to 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 make it easier, I suppose to make it easier on yourself. So you th- this is what's going on now is them making it easier on themselves. Yeah, it's like you're all going to starve anyway, so we're going to starve you first. No, we're not going to starve you first, but we're going to uh, you know transition you to a vegetable and Insects. insect diet, 
And I know it'll be difficult for you to accept that. There'll be a bit of kicking and screaming and stuff when we tell you that you're not getting your meat anymore or you're going to have to drastically reduce it, but it's for your own good. Um, and, of course, we can't tell you all this, so we go ahead and do it because you're not old enough to understand. You adults are not old enough to understand because it would probably scare you if we were to tell you the real, the, the truth of the situation. So we're going to present it in a kind of noble, altruistic framework of uh, climate change and because it's the same thing you know what I mean they talk about climate change and CO2 emissions and fossil fuels and stuff that's all saying that the way the world is structured right now in terms of feeding the human population is it doesn't work anymore it, you know it, it's no longer working and the be- and the way that they the way they craft the narrative there is to put the blame in a certain sense or at least the responsibility on the people so they give you a moral motivation to get behind their plans for restructuring society uh, in, in a way that, um, well, the thing that I haven't mentioned is that it implies a reduction in the population, one way or the other. That the population has to be reduced. If, that, if we're holding the idea, that, and we assume they have this belief for this, their models tell them that there's too many people on the planet, you have to get rid of some. Uh, how many? Don't know. But uh, some decent amount good for you uh, seven and a half billion according to the Georgia Guidestones Georgia Guidestones was bullshit <laughs> that, that Georgia Guidestones stuff was just a bunch of uh, kind of hippie type dudes in the 80s who were you were Rosicrucians no whatever got scared about yeah right got scared about the uh, were a bit, bit freaked out by the Cold War and the potential for nuclear Armageddon and they decided to do this pet project where they made these Guidestones that were in their little imaginations were going to survive some possible potential future catastrophe post yeah uh, catastrophe and would be there to guide humanity afterwards to as a set of kind of new ten commandments in a certain sense right. uh, and one of them was keep the population below 500 billion 500 million million um, because that's good right they just decided that themselves right and there were all the people they were probably pull, pulling from various different uh, yeah uh, analyses of, of, of that that were extant or were around at the time, you know. Um, 1980 so they went up. So yeah. this is obviously after discussions in the 70s and right. 60s. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So yeah. it's occupied certain people's minds yeah. for a long time. It did, yeah. And it's been occupying a lot of people's, yeah, exactly, for and a long time. And then, of course, people today have ascribed con- connecting agency with the people, either the specific people or group or mindset that put up the Georgia Guidestones with the Great Reset and all right. that's happening now, right. and they've gone, let's uh, blow them up. Let's That'll blow them the up. This is probably an act of yeah. vandalism by yeah. someone who is pissed. Anti, anti-establishment, yeah. yeah. Anti-system. Uh, but they're missing the point, really, yeah. It's, um, that, that's the, I mean, we'll have to see as it, as it plays out, but it seems right now, it, I think it's a reasonable explanation for why governments are doing what they're doing with this whole green agenda the, a reasonable explanation is that they're under the belief, true or false that there are too many people on the planet it's not sustainable the way people are living, particularly in the western world today and and that obviously, it's not just the western world that has knock on effects for the rest of the world and food supply and all that kind of stuff and that, that's not sustainable and it's coming to a head and will come to a head very quickly and, if we, and we need to manage it uh, Manage the, the 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 change over the transition. Biden even said something recently um, about that. Despite uh, I don't have the video, but he said something along the lines of um, 
that we're going through a a a a, a, f- a, a f- an interest or a a profound transition right now away from, basically saying away from fossil fuels. We're getting rid of fossil fuels and we're going to more sustainable green forms of energy and it's going to be difficult. And he was talking about the fuel prices. So it was a, it was a rare admission where he didn't blame Russia uh-huh. uh, that it was actually because, I mean, you know, part of his agenda, part of his electoral campaign was, to, um, was that he would do away with fossil fuels. That, I mean, there's plenty of videos of him saying that mm-hmm. we're going to specifically shut down fossil fuel production and move to... Again, there's kind of nested kind of narratives or understandings depending on where you are in the chain of command of how mm-hmm. you understand these things, you know. You're given partial information or given more information about what's really going on and what the real problem is. But like I said, the, the, for me, the, a reasonable explanation as to why they're doing what they're doing, and it seems to be totally counterproductive, it seems to be deliberately creating, like you just said, creating uh, the problem that they claim they want to fix. Mm. But So the only explanation is that they realize they can't fix that problem, right? There is no solution to, quote-unquote, climate change or maybe more realistically, overpopulation. So they have to manage it, manage the, the collapse and try and manage it in as, as, as least chaotic a way as possible. So this is the least chaotic option. What we're living through now. Well, is, you can't do it. It, it could be well, you worse. You can't do it because well, it could be it, a lot worse. Is yeah, what you're yeah. Saying. Well, it, well, maybe I don't know, but if it implies, and I don't see any way around this using with this theory, I don't see any way, way around the 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 scenario where a lot of people have to die. Well, those people aren't going to go willingly, right? Right. If you're, how do you, how do you, <clears throat> how do you calmly manage the deaths of tens of millions of people or hundreds of millions of people and make sure they don't know about it. Not well, like I don't know, gas chambers, just going for a shower or something. You know, it, yeah, final solutions aren't <laughs> the best idea. It's best to have innocuous looking solutions that appear to seamlessly follow one after the other. In a kind of uh, well, that's why you have all sorts of blaming as well. Blame Russia, blame China, blame whoever, blame everybody. And you need you need somebody to blame, like because you're not going to be able to follow this process without people being very, very unhappy and, and you causing serious. You know, not that you're caught. Again, it's hard to t- tease it out. Are you yeah. causing it, or is it something? Is if you believe it's going to happen egg, anyway, yeah. then yeah. are you causing it? No, I'm just trying to make sure you know happens in the best way possible. Given given that big. Big picture theory. Um, decipher this next one for me. The the Bloomberg uh, piece I just sent you, Scotty. Headline: Bloomberg last week. Putin's war threatens Europe's ambitious climate goals. Yeah, they're sort of burning more coal because they they shut down. But but they're using. Of course, they they created the war in Ukraine. They provoked Russia. They, they, for the past eight years, like we keep saying, for the past eight years, they trained, armed, funded uh, a strong, competent Ukrainian military with a view to this year, earlier this year, invading Donbass and invading Crimea and possibly invading Russia. That, I mean, there's no more egregious or, or provocation <clears throat> uh, against a country than, than threatening. To, they threatened war, they, and they put all the pieces in place to actually wage a war against Russia. Russia responded. And then they, 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 they are, like the opportunists they are, they take that as, a, as an opportunity to, to uh, blame Russia 
for this this managed transition that they're in that have been in the process of uh, of for the past number of years they start it's a perfect scapegoat right it's someone to blame for it right but it, it exposes that that article exposes the lie or the the fact that the climate change uh, and cutting carbon emissions is exactly that a narrative it's like i said it's the narrative that you spread to the people in order to get them to go along with this restructuring of their lives eating less meat dying in large numbers willfully in order to save the planet or do your part of course they're not telling them they're going to die in large numbers but it's starting to shape up that way, you know what I mean? That there's going to be serious problems in terms of energy and food supply and all that kind of stuff, which implies that, you know, especially if you throw in another kind of a, a, a real virus this time, a real kind of plague kind of scenario or something, yeah. Um, so Putin's war, to use that term, at once gives them a useful foil for the managed transition they're, they're implementing anyway. But the Bloomberg article was lamenting the fact that that managed transition has been interrupted by Putin's war mm-hmm. in real terms. Yeah. They seem confused, you know? Yeah, They're yeah. not sure, is it is it going right? Does this help? Yeah, but the managed transition is only the narrative of the managed transition, right? Where we're going right. to go from away from coal and fossil right. fuels into green energy. They have That's no, not actually going to happen. They have no belief in that no, at all. No. no, they know that there's no way that you're going to fuel the planet provide energy from the, for the planet on the, on, on the basis of uh, wind turbines and, and solar panels. They know that. And, I mean, there's plenty of analyses or modelling that has been done. You don't have to be very good at modelling to, 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 to realise that that's not possible, in, uh, certainly not in the time frame that they claim it's possible. But they're going to push ahead with it anyway. And like people have said, and, and, the, and the sober people are looking at that situation and saying, I mean, are you guys crazy? You're going to destroy countries, economies, and uh, endanger and the lives of hundreds of millions of people if you try and push this through uh, on the time frame that you claim you're going to push it through on. It's willful destruction. But what they can't say in response to that, what the elites, whatever, can't say in response to that is, no, listen, this is going to happen anyway. Mm. Things are really bad. The, the carrying capacity of the planet is past its sell-by date, basically. We're not, we can't do this anymore. There's going to be serious problems anyway. So we're selling, but it's all about lie. It's very, it's, it's a bad idea when you start bullshitting people, giving the bullshit narrative as to why you're doing things, and then it starts to become obvious that that's not really what your agenda is. You don't seem to be following through, like that article just showed. Like they're just because, uh, just because Putin invades Ukraine, and it would have been probably done by now. It would have been over and done with. You would have had a new government in Ukraine, a new structure of Ukraine, whatever. Who cares? Do we think these people in Western countries really are that? Uh, really are that enthused about freedom and democracy and all the kind of bull- the stuff that they come out with. You know, we're standing for, f- for global freedom. Ukraine, Zelensky is standing for global freedom and all that kind of stuff. It's nonsense. It's patent nonsense, you know. But, um, yeah. Um, article today in Germany in uh, Bild, one of the big newspapers. Um, this is a tweet about it, but I think it's, a, it's a, probably a reasonable... Translation of the content. Um, Bild writes, Even now, in the middle of summer, the thought of approaching winter, this coming winter, causes horror among the mayors of German cities. So in one city, Ludwig Schaffen, they they even plan to install common halls in which citizens who are unable to pay for heating in their homes will be able to warm up. And if you scroll down, it has a photo, apparently, of 
a school gym or something mm. that's been there. Uh, two years ago, maybe it was, that was for COVID overflow, which may or may not have happened in that city. But here now it's just going to be, come in here if you want to stay warm. Mm. I mean, so that's what they're actually doing mm -hmm. to ameliorate the actual physical situation for people. Because mm -hmm. that, that's all they can do. Like last year, uh, tea lights, just heat your home with tea lights, you know. Um, when it comes down to it, that is the actual capacity of what even a government has with so, the resources. So, that so German, has the German has. government shut down Nord Stream 1 and, shut down, and didn't allow Nord Stream 2 to start, which would provide gas and obviously heating to these people that they're setting up these areas for. Why are they doing that? I mean, why are, they, why are they preparing? Ostensibly, it's to get Russia, but that doesn't make sense because they've got a five-decade-long what do you mean, get Russia? To, to stop Russia funding the Russia war invasion of Ukraine. Well, That's the essential reason. What's the problem? Reason. Why should tens of millions of Germans and other Europeans star or uh, freeze this winter to stop Russia from taking a bit of Ukraine and sorting out what is effectively a domestic dispute? They say because that's ideology. Just the right thing to do. Ideology. 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 So Germans are going to start. Germans are going to freeze for ideology for yeah. their for their leader's ideology. Yes, that doesn't even fit them very well because <clears throat> they don't really. They're not really all about the freedom and democracy. Right. The Germans, the French, the Brits, they all you know uh, destroyed Libya. They destroyed Syria. They destroyed Iraq. They all supported that. There's no freedom and democracy there. They claimed it was freedom and democracy, but they were they were wrecking countries. So they don't care about countries being wrecked. They have, a, they have a long past record of showing they don't give a shit about countries being wrecked. Mm -hmm. So why would you believe that they care about Ukraine being wrecked? In fact, they're facilitating the wrecking of Ukraine by prolonging the war. Why would they just not allow Russia to take, sort out the problem in Ukraine and things go back to a status quo? Germans can have gas, uh, Russian gas, and everything's fine. There's no, no worries about this winter. Again, when you see that happening, you have to come up with a different... Yeah. explanation that actually fits because the explanations that they give do not fit with yeah. what they're doing. You have to have a more rational, sane explanation as to what, why they're doing. So, so they're going to freeze them this winter to start getting them used to it and to start reducing their population. I don't know. If that's the end result, in five years' time, if, that, if you look back and that has been the result, what do you, how do you say? Was it a mistake or was it inten intended? How stupid are they? Were they that feckless where they couldn't see that Stopping the flow of Russian gas would lead to uh, energy supply, uh, energy reductions there for freezing Germans and also uh, uh, food production problems and people starving and people dying. They couldn't see that? I mean, you know what right. I mean? If, I know. If I stop going to the supermarket, if I stop eating and then I die... <laughs> Can I not track it back to my stopping eating? <laughs> am, I that, obvious, am I that yeah. stupid? No, I think... That I didn't know? Yeah. No, it can't be because that's why people are protesting and they're able to connect these issues even without, you know, greatly informing themselves. They can mm. see two plus two equals four. So obviously government leaders, elites in general, know what they're doing, although the reason, like we've had to speculate as to the reason they believe they're doing so. Mm. It just seems nuts to me. Like why wouldn't Germany instead go, okay, we agree with the models. Thank you, Klaus and your friends. This is where it is going. Why not instead mitigate and prepare as best we can for the oncoming effects by dealing with them as they come? I, I don't see how shutting off 
powering down the computer ahead of what you know is a solar storm that might fry the computer. Why does powering it down ahead of the speculative solar storm? Put some protection in place, yeah. Because they don't care? It doesn't make sense. it well, makes it makes maybe their sense. models, maybe the Ferguson model type people have convinced them that it's not it's not something that you can prevent or you can manage. There's no point in you putting any protection any protections in place or trying to 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 you know prepare yourself for it because it's going to come. The storm is coming, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's much better that we uh, stage manage the effects that the storm will have in advance of the storm coming to acclimatize people. Psychologically, too. look at it this way: if there's a if there's a tornado or a, a hurricane going to barrel through Florida, right, and you know that it's like a category seven thousand, category eighteen, never before seen, right, five right. million mile an hour winds, right, right, and you know it's going to level all the houses. Undoubtedly, best thing to do is level all the houses in advance. Then you, then you you win against the, the hurricane. See what I mean? It doesn't make sense <laughs> no, right there. Well, but the 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 chaos type thing, you know, you, you know, it's kind it's it's kind of like the problem. Their problem is the people. Is is the 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 kind of stuff they're seeing already? Is they're scared of people? Basically, yeah. they're scared of the masses and what would happen because this isn't going to be like a, like I said, it's not going to be all at once. It's going to be progressive. It's going to start and it's going to cause increasing chaos, increasing public uh, dissent, uh, uprisings. You know, protests and that kind of stuff, and it's better that you have it. Continue, you have a plan, and you you make it happen. You know, you, you you structure. Of course, there's a whole police state aspect of it that putting things in place to to constrain people's rights to protest and their their their, their sense of their right to protest, and and uh, that that is is preparatory for that as well. I mean, the, the people thing people have talked about for for quite a long time now. The, burgeoning police states and Western democracies and stuff. What's that for? Well, that's for crowd control. Mm-hmm. So why have they been doing that for so long, you know? And, and why are they actually doing this? Here's, here's, we're going deep down the rabbit hole here and, you know. It, it doesn't get any deeper, surely. Oh, I saw that headline. EU constructing 8 million euro, eight euro, million euro spy-proof bunker for secret talks. Uh, a spy proof and it's like it's funded by or in collaboration with NATO which uh, yeah. is beautiful because the EU just comes to the fore truly actually as a front for NATO it's, and the narrative again is so that they, they can discuss secrets without Russian or other eavesdroppers right. listening in uh, chamber, chamber could host, host around only 100 people though there's a lot more bureaucrats in Brussels and maybe that, that's the thing is like as this progresses people uh the people in, in, in politics and the political class who think they're part of the in-group and stuff will start to find that actually there's no seats in the bunker for you, you know right, what I mean? Right. Uh, and they start going, oh, what? Yeah. But, 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 but I've been a loyal, a loyal minion for, for, for uh, forever. This is interesting because just last week I was looking into the – that photo they're showing is – I think it's the new multi-billion euro existing EU Council of Ministers meeting building mm-hmm. – in Brussels, it's it's a weird place. Mm. It's like um, it's like a from the outside it looks like a cage, right? It's got it's like a lattice of steel and glass and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you see the faint outline inside of what's an egg shape. It's a giant egg. It's kind of a oval shaped um, building with many floors. And in the heart of it is the main EU Council meeting building. That's probably a photo of it there. I'm not sure, but I think it is. But the egg shape. That thing is brand new and cost. 
billions of euros, right? Yeah. And now they're building another one that's even more select. Yeah. It's also built on the site of where the Nazis occupied Belgium. Right. But the egg shape is appropriate because that's where they're going to be reborn from. Creepy. Uh, I know you talked about the Roe versus Wade thing has been done and dusted, you think. But um, no, marching on uh, Capitol Hill today. Um, and this one is from uh, this one's from the the seat of freedom and democracy, California. Let's have a look at what the women have to say in California. That's a brat. Human rights. Abortion is human rights. Nothing is going to change in California. <laughs> well, that's you know, it's, it's it's not a lot of people, I think, but it's going across going on across the U.S. Like I said today, apparently in Washington D.C. Um, the yeah, um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, poor people. I mean, they want to protest about something, and the current thing is what they protest about. Uh, I mean, I know you talked about it a couple of weeks ago when I wasn't here, but. Um, there's, uh, I think maybe I'm not, not sure if you you put this, put this up, but it was just a, a comparison between uh, the U.S. and the EU in terms of uh, rights to abortion. Mm-hmm. And um, Roe versus Wade didn't really, well, it basically restructured abortion rights in America to be in line with most of Europe, and in fact, in some places, depending on the state. There's still much more, more liberal rights to abortion than there are in, uh, yeah, in, in in Europe. So, are we third world country? Like, since we're in Europe, are we third world countries? Like, I mean, are we? Uh, are we? Yeah. It, it's off. It's it, they're they're protesting against the phantasm they have in their head of where it will go if one brick is pulled out of the wall mm. or whatever this analogy is, is. their fear is that the US map will turn black like Poland and Finland right? where they have the most restrictive abortion right. laws in Europe. Their fear is that now that Roe versus Wade is pulled away oh shit here it comes it's the floodgates what? but it's totally unfounded uh, they respond to that map and say yeah but that was pre-Roe versus Wade so 13 states have laws on the books that were waiting for Roe mm-hmm. versus Wade to be lifted to become more liberal so mm-hmm. those 13 states I won't name them but I mentioned them on the show will become yellow like most of Europe like most of Europe I don't think they'll Texas has the most extreme in the US and, and that remains the case yeah one to ten weeks yeah isn't ten weeks long enough like 
I mean, you do a pregnancy test after four or five weeks, and then you've got a four, four, four weeks to kind of like figure out whether you want an abortion or not, and then you go ahead and get one. Well, a lot of people can, yeah. Why would you, you want to be long enough? Because there's one cycle. What well, What are you doing? That's due, but they say sometimes, you know, often they don't know until later than that. Yeah, okay, a bit later, but in, in very rare cases. But I think most women who are pregnant, like after you know, like missing one thirty cycle, weeks is they do a test. is what uh, four week four seven it's seven months. That's seven and a half months is thirty weeks. So, like by five or six months, I'm sure you you, you know you're pregnant, right? Yeah. Uh, even I before think. that, right? Four or five months. Uh, why would you want to go? Th- why would you go through the process of like? Because you know it's kind of difficult being pregnant. I suppose I don't know, but I'm assuming it's kind of difficult being pregnant, right? It's not. You have no right to talk about this. Shut show. the hell up. Uh, no, but you know. So, wouldn't you want to like if you're going to have an abortion, have it sooner rather than later? Up. Yeah. I know. And if you have uh, the whole thing, how does it change? You know what I mean? Where you go, oh, I'm gonna, I'm pregnant. I'm gonna have a baby. You know, so at at six months you're saying, yeah, I'm pregnant. Look, I've got a bump and everything, and I'm gonna have a baby. And then a month later you say, no, I don't want it anymore. Who does that? I know, Uh, sick people. Right. Sorry, you can't say. Oh, you say that all women? No. If you're a woman and you're doing that, you're, you're pretty twisted. I mean, it's it's decided at that point. You're pregnant. You know, you're pregnant. Visibly pregnant. Mm. Um, do it earlier if you're going to have to. Anyway, it's uh, what they're what they're protesting is the they're protesting. It's it's ide- ideology. Obviously, it's mm. it's nothing to do with the actual medical issues, um, or even choice. You know, say you choose and you've got ten weeks or twenty weeks. Hell, okay, come in line with Europe. You've got twenty weeks to decide. Mm. Okay, that's five months. That's enough. You don't. We don't need any more. Why would you protest about So what they're protesting about, they're afraid that the U.S. will flip all black mm. in that map. But there's no, there's no reason to think that. No. But again, they have... But they want the ideology has infected them to... Remember, in their head, Trump was literally Hitler. Right. And that's so far from reality. So it follows with every other issue, mm. you know? All right, moving over uh, a bit more east, further east. Putin had a few choice words for Western countries this week. I'm sure you were heartened, were you? Oh, yeah. So, title, yeah, headline, Putin says Russia just getting started in Ukraine. But hang, aren't they, aren't they, didn't they lose already? Aren't they, they lost so many times that surely it's completely lost now you yeah, know this is just, what do you mean just getting started this is blustered from a man who's losing okay yeah. blustered from a, so if you yeah. scroll down president vladimir putin said on thursday that russia had hard had barely got started in ukraine and dared the west to try to defeat it on the battlefield he said today we hear they want to they want to, to defeat us on the battlefield what can you say let them try uh, and we have heard many times that the west wants to fight us to the last ukrainian this is a tragedy for the ukrainian people but it seems that everything is heading towards this yep and then, Did and then scroll the, down a little bit more. Everyone should know that, by and large, we haven't started anything yet in earnest. At the same time, we don't reject peace talks. But those who reject them should know that the further it goes, the harder it will be for, for them to negotiate with us. Yeah. Uh, fight and talk from from Vlad the, the Impaler and... Um, and also, uh, just more recently, the stuff in um, Latvia, 
uh, that you know was in the news a couple of weeks ago that the Latvians had shut off uh, real access through their country. Lithuania, no? Sorry, Lithuania. Uh, through their country to Kaliningrad, which is the Russian enclave in the, in the Baltic states there. Um, and the Russians at the time said, yeah, that's very bad. You should you, you better uh, not do this or we'll... Um, physically... We'll physically sort it out. Yeah. And then this is from uh, just uh, yesterday, actually. Apparently they said, again, if the situation will not return to normal, so that suggests that you haven't heard much about it, but it seems that the situation hasn't been normalised again and the Lithuanians are still uh, messing around, obviously at the behest of the EU and further on uh, at the behest of NATO and back up the line to Washington, D.C. This is Washington, D.C. and EU bureaucrats' uh, little game that they're playing to try and piss off Russia and provoke Russia. And they've said again, the Russians have said again, if the situation does not return to normal in the coming days, we'll take harsh measures against Lithuania and the European Union. So that's obviously Russia's just spitballing. They don't uh, they don't mean any of that. And nobody can take anything they say seriously because, you know, whatever. They just talk and they're all talking no action, right? They don't do what they say. Uh, so, yeah, just try it, Vlad, and, and, you know, fuck around and find out, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> And Joe is, of course, being sarcastic. That's what's Russia good. can do anything it wants at this point. Well, we'll see. It we'll can see. take Berlin. We'll see. I don't know. Um, but it's a, it's a it, dangerous game. It can game take London. Come on, all the way up the Atlantic. There is nothing stopping them. Yeah. There is no army to stop them. Yeah. I'd say, so it is going to... This, this the situation, US will flee. Yeah. Soldiers. They yeah. won't fight. But you see, you put it back in the context of the grand plan, right, that we talked about earlier on. Mm-hmm. The, 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 Is Putin the, in on the grand plan? He probably knows. He's not in on it. He's not a party to it. He doesn't subscribe to it, but he probably is aware that... Uh, of, he's certainly aware of what these people believe. Do you I, think I his say. actions in Ukraine have that in mind, that he's trying to yeah. ultimately sabotage the whole... Up, upend the whole thing? More like protect himself, protect Russia. And if the West wants to do this... Uh, go through this destructive process, this creative destructive process, then uh, fair enough, but we're going to protect ourselves from the fallout so from it. Here's where the, here's, here's a flaw in the plan, right? And so you're going ahead with your plan. You're going to end up with the West decimated. And Russia, less so, let's say they also know catastrophe is coming, but they've taken active measures to maintain coherence and maintain life. Russia wins post collapse. No, post collapse, everybody. They have more, uh, the people. Well, post collapse, everybody, everybody gets on gets pretty well, right? It's like none of this is personal, right? All the stuff that you. The public are encouraged to think that. Um, that, the, that there's real animosity between global leaders. But there's not. And that's not because they're nice people necessarily. It's just that that's not important. Um, they're not buddies anyway. Uh, so there's no love lost, if you know what I mean, to begin with. And it's all about business. Business is money talks. And business is what it's all about at the end of the day. So some kind of post-collapse situation, even if Russia and China you know, manage to protect themselves, which is kind of unlike, I mean, maybe to some extent, but nobody's going to be protected against a, a global economic foobar. Right, everybody's going to be, everybody's going to have problems. Uh, but post uh, collapse, let's say, and 
when the uh, this is their vision, right? Uh, when things reemerge, well, everybody's going to have to do business with each other. There's going to have to be people and leaders in different parts of the world to do business. Like if Russia and China say they protect themselves in, a, in the best case scenario, they protect themselves. The West collapse, collapses and Russia and China remain relatively unscathed and they are now in a commanding position. They're still going to need people in positions of power uh, and people in Europe and in America to, to do business with, you know? Unless you're suggesting that the Chinese are just going to export half the population over to Europe and America and to, to, fill, to take, take possession of the homes. Russia doesn't have the population to do that. Russia needs all its own population and more. China has a bit of an excess, but uh, I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're, they're going to need people, and they're going to need structure and political structure and governmental structure and business structure and people to run it in those countries uh, when the dust settles. And when they do, all previous grievances are... Are, um, are put aside. They all shake hands and say, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it wasn't personal, like, you know. That sounds like... Normally, I, you know... It wasn't personal, it's not personal. Well, there's something that backs that up. You explained it to me about Ukraine uh, mm. last week. So let's show people a headline first. Uh, not a headline. Let's show a map. This is this is a, a slide that was um, photographed and published online. Uh, this is a slide from a meeting that took place in Switzerland last week, um, hosted by the EU, but mm -hmm. it was a bit more than just European Union countries present. It was basically about rebuilding Ukraine. At first, I laughed at it because I was like, what are these people thinking rebuilding Ukraine? It, it's first, look at it. That's the east of Ukraine on the map there behind the guy and the south. And they've allocated European countries and Americas in there to the U.S.'s around Kharkiv region, places where they expect... Is that Ireland? Up in Ireland is given a place in the western Ukraine where they accumulated... All told, they estimate it's going to be costing $750 billion mm -hmm. of investment to rebuild Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And these countries are going to be like given a territory to co-manage mm -hmm. with locals, I guess, mm -hmm. post-war when the dust has settled. And I laughed. I thought, these people are fantasizing. But then I was talking to you, and you, you, you made me think about it in a way I hadn't before, which is, hang on a second. If you look at the details, what's actually happening? There's been videos on Russian uh, telegram channels. Construction companies are already out and at work in Mariupol, mm -hmm. building large factories, mm -hmm. apartment complexes, yeah. rebuilding the city mm -hmm. and elsewhere. And well, you I don't know. Do, do you have any evidence for it? You are suggesting that this, this rebuilding plan in Europe Mm -hmm. isn't a pie-in-the-sky thing. It's actually about linking up with Russian companies mm -hmm. behind the sanctions wall mm -hmm. to invest which is, which is in rebuilding Uc Ukraine right of now. Of course. Russia doesn't like sanctions. You know, it doesn't, do you, do it doesn't like... It doesn't like... Well, put it this way. Look at all the... Look, I, mean, I don't have a list right now, but look at... I mean, easily, it's easily found. Look at all the companies that have supposedly divested from um, Russia. Yeah. Some of them haven't, 
but the companies have divested from Russia under sanctions and the problems Russia has... You know, there's plenty of articles uh, detailing the, the problems Russia is having with sourcing parts and all that kind of stuff and having to look elsewhere for parts and all that kind of stuff. And there's some things that they really can't replace and they have to just do without. I mean, there's uh, for Nord Stream, uh, they, they, they supposedly turned off Nord Stream 1 because there's, I can't remember what part, but there's a part basically, a, a turbine. turbine. A turbine. It's, it's, held, it's being held up in Canada. Right, because it's it goes there for... Um, Refurbishment Calibration or, or repairs. But that's one small example of yeah. the interlink between uh, co- between com- companies uh, and economies <laughs> in the world, and especially industrial economies that produce indus- industrial parts. And, and Russia is part of that. And Russia relies, like every other country, relies on other countries in, in the West um, and elsewhere, but in the West and in America for parts. Think about the, the Americans not being able to go to the not being able to go to the, the space station anymore, not being able to launch rockets anymore. NASA can't lo- launch ro- rockets anymore because uh, to the space station, at least, without Russian... Because it's Russian rockets, Russian production, right? So there's a, there's a serious... has been, that's globalization, right? An interlinking of... It's been going on for quite a while. Interlinking of countries via economic ties and, and you know, the different things they produce that, that each country uses. Like, so why why would any one country produce absolutely everything when they can buy it from... Well, they can't probably can't produce everything. No. They need to buy it from other places. The same is true of Donbass. If you're going to reconstruct Donbass, the, the most efe- effective and efficient reconstruction of uh, of any part of, U- any parts of Ukraine involves... And it's across the borders from building to, to uh, industrial plants to roadworks to plumbing to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's not something that Russia... Maybe it could, to some extent, do it by itself, but it would be a lot harder. So, again, this gets back to the idea that it's not personal and that business is business. You don't take any of this stuff personally. You and me may take it personally. People on either side of the, of the, of the debate about Ukraine take it personally. And they project that personal feeling onto... My side. Onto the, well, and onto the elites, thinking mm. that they, they too, like, like Boris Johnson really hates Vladimir Putin, or Biden really hates Vladimir Putin, or they really hate mm-hmm. uh, Xi Jinping or something like that. Mm. But... It's nonsense. That's not how those people operate. They don't, they, don't, they don't see the world in that way. It's not personal to them. And again, it doesn't mean that they're nice people necessarily. It means that they're just very pragmatic people and they have to be pragmatic people. I'm reading here about this conference. A thousand people attended. The, it was, the conference had been planned before Russia's invasion mm-hmm. with the original agenda to focus on Kiev's progress on the path toward governmental reforms. Well, that may not mean anything. Maybe now it's actually been re- retooled to the reconstruction of Ukraine. So that would be something to, to dig into. Is there any evidence of Western companies that are ostensibly not doing business with Russia because of the sanctions, because of the war? But in actuality, in real time right now, they are actually contributing to the nuts and bolts rebuilding of southeastern Ukraine but the, as, the Rus- as the Russian wave goes through Ukraine, yeah, they jump behind it, yep. they're already at work, yep. cooperating Absolutely. to rebuild Ukraine. Absolutely. For sure. And it, and it makes sense both to, Russian, uh, to, to Western companies. It, it's, a, it's a win-win situation. Right? There is still some win-win situations on it when it comes down to practical business deals and stuff. It's all, that's how, it's all aimed to be, to be a win-win, right? And in many cases, it can be. You know, where you cooperate. There is some cooperation still going on at the, at the, at the practical, on, you know, on the ground level. There has to be cooperation going mm-hmm. on. Um, but it makes sense for Western companies to be involved in, in Eastern Ukraine, in the rebuilding of Eastern Ukraine, because it gives Western companies, and by extension, Western governments, a foothold, a foothold 
in the territory that Russia has supposedly conquered. Do you want to just leave it all to Russia? Or do you want to put your companies in there? Is it not part of our... Is, is the whole thing that we didn't want Russia to get Donbass, that Donbass should go back to Ukraine? Well, if we can't get that completely, the next, next best thing at the very least would be that some major Western com- companies would be directly involved right. in that part of Ukraine. Because it gives us a, a, future, a future bridgehead, right? I mean, what if we want to get some CAA guys in there? They can go in there as, as our, our, our German intelligence guys. They want to go there. They go as, as Siemens, uh, Siemens employees. We're going to, as we're Siemens employees, we're going to visit the, the factory that Siemens is uh, helping to build in, in Donbass. Awesome. Or do we just shut ourselves out completely? The ideological side of my brain says, no way. There's no way. They would never. But the rational side goes, hang on a second. That's where it is. Remember Lafarge mm-hmm. helping ISIS directly yep. to produce cement in Syria to build its fucking bunkers? It's not personal, man. It's just, it's just business. It's, it's disaster capitalism at the next. It's where it would lo- logically go to next. Yeah. Like, they're literally sending the shells to blow up the building and the concrete pillars to rebuild it. Yeah. The day after. I like money. Do you like money? You should hang out. Bloody hell. Is that a line from Idiocracy? I don't know <laughs> what that line's from. Um, anyway... Um, yeah, and... Bojo, we've mentioned him twice. Uh, okay. Bloody hell. What the hell? Why? I mean, he won the landslide election officially. Um, and then they just he's, got rid he's of He's a good example of what we're talking about. He has no ideology. You think he's a conservative? Bojo isn't a conservative. He's not a, he's not a labor. I he's not a lefty. He's not nothing, right? He, he, he doesn't have an ideology. He, basically, he, doesn't, he doesn't have an ideology that he tries to impose on, you know, the country. Yeah. He basically is just an open book in a certain sense and will absorb any ideology that will help him to get into position of power or to get him what he wants, basically, which is true for many people. I mean, truth be told, most of them, most politicians are like that. They'll so why get rid of him? Because it, if that's true, then it's also true that he's an open book for whatever special interests want to use him. Hmm. What, he was blocking their way? No, I don't think he was gotten rid of. I think... Um, it's 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 something that happens in politics a lot. Is that especially when you get to a point where there's a lot of corruption in a country in in the political sphere, where that that kind of corruption is kind of endemic and it's spread from the top down, and there's a sense of um, you know um, untouchableness about them. You know, and that was actually Bolsonaro said that in that uh, talk he gave with uh, Tucker, Tucker Carlson. Carlson, where he said that during the COVID pandemic. A lot of people in, in Western countries in particular, but around the world, got a taste of, of tyranny, un- tyranny, a, a t- taste of unaccountability, that they could do whatever they want uh, with impunity. Um, and that, of course, there's been growing corruption in many countries over the past number of years. It's getting, coming to a head now, but uh, COVID just made it worse. The lockdowns just made it worse. And it's coming out, you know, it has come out. And basically, Bojo was booted because he was a sacrificial lamb basically he was a scapegoat uh, because well he's the leader of the party and therefore the prime minister and there's a bunch of these scandals that are coming out that are indicative of these politicians feeling that they could do whatever they want and get away with it and how are we going to appease the population who aren't happy about this well somebody's head has to roll right so Bojo's head will roll he's the obvious one he's boxed off with him quote unquote so just get rid of him and then people kind of breathe a sigh of relief feel that there's checks and balances 
and then have a new person come in. It's great. It's a re- refresher, you know. Yeah. People are getting a bit antsy, maybe a bit protesty, a bit insurrectiony, and they feel that there's there's no accountability, and that's why we need to impose our will, the people, on the politicians. Well, before you do that, what if we chop this guy's head off? Will that make you feel better? Symbolically, mm, uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, his head will roll, and then here's a new person. And then everyone and feels better. And look, oh, here's going to be person. a new government. I wonder what they're going to do. But then on the eve of him departing and people, you know, those who supported it cheering it, this happens. Like, just completely underscoring the fact that 10 Downing Street is not the government. Yeah. BBC headline, the day before Boris uh, resigned, quote, well, was kicked out. He's not actually kicked out yet. He's hanging on for Ice, a few months, yeah. but yeah. Totally Headline, leader. China. F- MI5 and FBI heads warn of immense threat. I mean, that's the government right there. Mm-hmm. It's like, or that's one expression of the, the so-called deep state. It's, it's continuity. It's the, the, the transatlantic alliance, the grand old alliance. It's the uh, same as before. Nothing changes here. What were they actually saying? Uh, scroll down a bit. <clears throat> they decided to agree that China was evil. Um, oh, yeah. Let's all agree that China's evil. It's the FBI director and the head of MI5 um, warning that the biggest, quote, biggest long-term threat to our British-American economic and national security is China and that they've interfered in our politics, including recent elections. So that's just spiel they pulled with Russia six years ago, um, now being applied to China. Hmm. So then Chinese, yeah. Them Chinese, which is, you know, there's no evidence for any of that. But uh, obviously what they're worried about is China's, um, well, I don't know, you explain to me that. Are they worried about China's supplanting their position as hegemon when they have this grand plan and everyone's going to go if I'm, foobar anyway? If I'm an ice, an ice cream seller, I'm the only ice cream seller on the block, and I've got a small van, and then one day another guy comes in and he's got better Italian ice cream. I would just sell him local ice cream. He's got Italian ice cream. He's got a bigger van. Is he not a threat to me? He is. There you go. But, yeah, okay. He's spying on me as well. Keeps looking at me. And he's, ah, the appropriate metaphor, he's stealing my ice cream tech. He's he's stealing my tech, yeah. He's stealing my recipes. About them Chinese, um, more lockdowns than China. Uh... Let's look at this one. <clears throat> Shanghai, I think, is open again. But that was an intense, like, six-week lockdown. This one, they say, um, it's just for a week. <clears throat> Headline, The Guardian, China imposes COVID lockdown in Xi'an after a handful of cases. Subheadline, zero COVID strategy. Why? Shuts down... North Central City of 13 million people following 18 reported cases of Omicold. Omicold. Yeah, highly transmissible Omicron subvariant that gives people the sniffles has sent parts of the ancient Chinese city of Zhan of 13 million people into a seven-day lockdown. It's Chinese flu, man. Why? They know it's a cold. Yeah. That's the Chinese mind. <laughs> That's why you need to fear the Chai Coms. They're coming for you. 
that's their totalitarian mindset, and that's that the Chinese people just follow along blindly to that. You don't see any protests in China, do you? Because they're completely oh, dominated. Oh, we don't hear about them. They're completely dominated by the Chinese dictatorship. And they're coming for you, Neil. <laughs> That's what Tucker Carlson rants about. But yes, the Chinese are after you. I'm like, are they? How? Explain how they're after me. I under, I, taking, I'm not take, justifying that. That looks extreme and... The only the, the, the best available explanation is what Bolsonaro suggests. You know, COVID just gave people a taste for tyranny. I can't see another explanation for that. I'm not Chinese. I'm not in China. I don't know why they would do that, except just for control's sake, right? Or maybe in terms of a grand plan, they also have an eye to coming issues and they want to make sure they have people well under control. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, just put it in either, in, either let way. Let me put it in context. Yeah, I know it's a lot of people, but in terms of, I suppose one people one thing people have a hard time getting their head around is the size of China in terms of the population. One almost one point five billion people. Thirteen million is what is that? Zero point one. No, zero point zero one percent. Something small. So equivalent would be in say a town in France, a town of. 6,000 people was put into a one-week lockdown because of an outbreak of Omicron. Would that make news? Probably because it would be such an outlier. Right. So it would be a weird thing where they're doing spotily here. It's the reason they give for it. Mm. Omicron, 18 cases. Right. And a seven-day lockdown to stop the transmissibility of an airborne respiratory virus, which we know scientifically is just about impossible to stop yeah. with lockdowns. Right. We've seen all the... Johns Hopkins University, who started this whole thing in the West, and now publishing their meta-study after all these years of lockdowns, and they're saying they didn't do shit right. to stop the virus. Right. So why? I, what I'm saying is it dislocates the scientific reason, the, mm-hmm. reason, the ostensible pandemic reason, from the actual reason why they did that, you know? Mm. Uh, the, the thing is, there's no alternative that we hear of. There, never mind alternative media in China that could, you know, offer counters. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in, there's no official, there's no attempt at official levels in China. To explain it. To, to give a plausible reason for to it. Just to it, yeah. So maybe, maybe the Western fear of, Jesus, Chinese people just accept whatever they're told uh, has some validity to it. Where I don't go and make the leap, though, that Tucker Carlson does, and he's with MI5 and FBI on this, because of what they can do to one city, that's why they represent, quote, an immense threat to our way of life. Hmm. I don't see the leap Hmm. between the two, unless they're suggesting vaguely that because China does X, everyone else starts to mimic it. Hmm. That is, of course, the meta-argument for, for why COVID lockdowns happened at all in the first place in the West. Well, look, at China did it, so we'll do it too. But Chinese government didn't order no. Western no, that governments was an, that to was, do it. That was bullshit narrative. They, they, they did it because they wanted to. In the West, they did it because they wanted to experiment with uh, locking entire populations in their homes to see, see how it would go. It's, you know, it's, it's not... It's not complicated, like when you're in positions of power and your 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 mandate effectively is to control the population. When an opportunity like that comes along to control the population in a very, in a very, uh, you know, uh, specific and uh, extreme way, then you're going to take it, right? 
Um, we've talked about that before. You know, it was a boon for behavioral scientists as well. They got on board and just used all the tools they've been developing over over many decades to apply it to the entire population. You know, and they admitted themselves that they went too far and used effectively used terror to to control the population with very negative uh, impact on on the public psycho- people's psychological health, basically. So, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, nobody understands the Chinese, Neil. I have to get somebody on the show here and interview them. Somebody who understands the Chinese. Yeah. But, but also we have to be somebody who understands that COVID didn't yeah. merit this kind of stuff. Yeah. You see? Again, though, it's... Because the ones I know who are kind of China hands, analyze China very well when it comes to many other political and geopolitical international issues are all like, you know, that's the thing. That's the proper thing to do for COVID. Mm. They don't question it at all. So the, I don't only, know of anyone who can bridge the, the only two thing that sta- issues. Well, the only thing that stands out uh, to me is the fact that COVID was a very different, uh, uh, was perceived in a very different way in China than it was in the rest of the world. Uh, yeah, initially. Huh? initially. No, no, but ongoing. Right. It, it has a lasting legacy because the way the Chinese government understood it very early on, was this was a biological weapon attack on the Chinese, potentially a biological weapon attack on the Chinese by the West. And did they tell their population that as such? No. It may have spread, but who knows. But um, that left an enduring kind of suspicion and, and you could even say a certain paranoia, but justified maybe uh, amongst the Chinese government that this could... This could continue, and then you put up an article like you just, or you, you said an article like you said there, where the head of the FBI and the um, MI5 are saying that um, uh, China is an immense threat. So they read that and they realize that they don't need to read that article to realize that that's the way the West perceives them, uh, especially the UK and the Americans. And uh, what are they willing to do? Well, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, they dropped a, a, a modified, a genetically modified, a lab created virus or lab modified virus on our doorstep um, are they going to do it again is that part of a you know a process or is that part of a, a series of events so the Chinese government may feel that they need to take this much more seriously and for different reasons not from a not from a you know a, a epidemiological point of view in a certain sense but rather from a biowarfare from a geopolitical point of view um, so that influences their, their, and maybe explains why they have an ongoing issue or they're continuing the whole hmm. lockdowns and isolation and stuff uh, when the rest of the world has pretty much moved on from it. And that brings up, okay, what's his name, Sachs? Mm. Jeffrey Sachs? Jeffrey Sachs. Who is Jeffrey Sachs? Jeffrey Sachs was one of the top Harvard people that was sent to... Uh, Russia after the fall of the USSR in the early 90s, Clinton's team of advisors were going to help Russia transition from Soviet system, central planned economy to a free market economy. Um, he's since moved on to become like, you know, he's, I think he was an advisor Clinton through the 90s. Uh, nowadays, he's like advisor to the UN. Um, a top person in the CFR, I think, the Council of Foreign Relations, um, all-around head honcho Washington think tank industry, right? Mm-hmm. But he's always had a... He, twice this week, there have been two interviews he gave that um, truthified a couple of issues. One of them was Russia, 
and invasion of Ukraine, you squarely blame NATO for that. And the other one was where mm-hmm. he articulated for the first time probably, so this is no longer a conspiracy theory, you YouTube fact checkers, or if it is, then you need to censor Jeffrey Sachs because he articulated what we were hinting at right from the outset of this, that this thing is obviously man-made mm-hmm. and it came from an American lab and was dropped in Wuhan. Just take up those two. We'll hear it from the horse's mouth. We played this last week, I think, the first one, but we played again anyway, just to underline the point. Yeah. Who's that guy who posted that? Looper. Some nutter. Some conspiracy theorist. I, I think that our foreign policy strategy, both towards China and towards Russia, has been provocative and divisive for a number of years. Uh, this didn't just start now. Uh, there was already the right. U.S. trade wars uh, on China and then the technology wars, the financial sanctions and all the rest. We've divided the world and now we're paying a, a strong, uh, heavy cost for that. There should have been negotiation in 2021 when Putin said uh, NATO should not expand to Ukraine and Georgia. I would have been the first one to say absolutely correct. Uh, why do something so provocative, something akin to the Crimean War back in 1853? We shouldn't be having a Black Sea confrontation. So we should have been prudent. Putin said last year, negotiate over the non-enlargement of NATO. Biden said, absolutely not. That's off the table. We are going to expand. We're committed uh, to having NATO not only in Ukraine, but all the way across to the eastern edge of the Black Sea in Georgia. This is a huge expansion of NATO. NATO was a defensive alliance of Western Europe against the Soviet Union, a defensive alliance against a country that doesn't exist. And yet we said it will continue to expand all the way to the eastern edge of the Black Sea. And Russia kept saying no for 30 years. I was there at the beginning when this discussion started. Uh, Russia was saying, don't do that. Gorbachev was saying, don't do that. Hans Dietrich Genscher, the German foreign minister in 1990, said, don't worry, we won't move one inch. One inch. You see the CNN talking heads, heads about to explode there. Yeah, trying to butt in all the time. And just throw up the other one, just uh, for reference. That's the... um... Oh, one last thing. I should say that where he's speaking here on COVID, he was the chair of the Lancet COVID-19 Commission, part of whose remit was to investigate the origins of COVID-19. Right. Now we have a war that could have been avoided. It would have been avoided if the United States had not been so insistent on pushing NATO eastward that's, and eastward that's the same one. and Sorry. eastward. Anyway, here, uh, there was another one. You can cancel that. There was another one where he basically said, yeah, COVID was, uh, looked like it came out of a U.S. lab. We'll put it in the link in the show description. Um, yeah, so, but you can throw shade all you want, Neil, at, um, at China and saying that they're, um, you know, they're, they're exaggerating, the, they're, they're just taking this whole COVID thing too far. But you haven't heard about this, obviously. Daily Beast, this new ninja COVID variant is the most dangerous one yet. Ninja. ninja. You haven't heard about the ninja variant. It's just like, it's just like COVID with slanty eyes or something. Neil, yes, it is actually. But that's not the point. The point is, 
It's still evolving. The band's going to make it. The COVID band is going to make st- it. It still may actually kill hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. Well, the thing is, after all has been said and done, COVID was not nothing. No. What we were railing about for two years was the mismatch Response. of the measures to the something. Mm-hmm. You know, so China, like everyone else, is dealing with the something that is causing immune complications, that is possibly recombining, causing cross infections, causing the reappearance of viral infections. Uh, cryptic pneumonia and so on mm-hmm. in people. Um, and that's before any vaccines were tried to introduce to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. COVID itself, the actual SARS-CoV-2 virus, mm-hmm. was quite a wrecking ball on the kind of normal seasonal equilibrium of seasonal respiratory viruses that come and go. Because it was, remember, it was a, it was a coronavirus that was souped up. Um, coronaviruses come and go every winter. They contribute to, the, quote-unquote, the flu every winter. So this one did something. Yes. But the that article suggests, oh, wait, hang on a second. There's more to come. Okay, right. That's kind of, that's where to rationalize why the Chinese are doing these preemptive lockdowns still now. The only way I can rationalize it on the face of it is, Okay, so the Chinese are thinking they've had a good look at this virus. They've studied it closely like everyone else these last few years. But they're still worried that there could be worse to come from it. Mm -hmm. Even though its epidemiological trajectory so far has for every new variant to be weaker than the last in terms of case fatality ratio and actual deaths. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this what it can re- maybe. I mean, it's not. Yeah, we're definitely not out of the woods in the sense that it can still recombine. But by the time you're, you're talking about, you're talking about a different pandemic at that point. Yeah. However, maybe well, that's why Biden is so goddamn certain. Whatever with the mouthpiece in his ear, is so so certain that there's a, a second pandemic coming. Mark my words. He said it three times in the last few weeks. Yeah, it's not coming out of COVID though, because I mean, uh, just throw one up, Scotty. Uh, this is from. It's a preprint, but it's from EPI and World Health Organization Collaborating Center for Disease, Cornell, Qatar. I think I've talked about this previously, but anyway, it basically says that um, it's a fairly big study that says that uh, the effectiveness of primary infection against severe, critical, or fatal COVID reinfection was 97.3%, irrespective of variant of primary infection or reinfection. So basically, uh, people who have had covid of any description, of any variant, uh, your immune response, your natural immune response, not vaccine-induced natural immune response is 97.3% effective up to 14, not up to, but at 14 months. So at least 14 months afterwards, you still have a 97.3%, you know, take that for what it's worth, right. but basically, you're basically fully immune to any variant of COVID. Right. And of course, the reason any variant of COVID is included is because as each variant each variant appears, it's a mutation of the previous one, it gets less and less severe. So you're down to like just a nothing burger, basically. So anytime, anybody who's had COVID of any description over the past two years, you pretty much don't need any boosters, you don't need any vaccines, um, you're, you're, you're protected, as long as your immune system is in half good shape, which is the vast majority of people. But that was, and that has been the case since day one. <clears throat> And also, if you put that together with the fact that people who got COVID, who got infected at any point, 
uh, the vast, vast majority were not going to have any kind of severe illness means that the whole thing was of harsh. And I hope YouTube doesn't ban us for that, but whatever. Uh, disclaimer, we are not medical doctors. We uh, we're citing do not the give advice. We're citing here a we're study uh, collabor- uh, conducted effectively by the World Health Organization. So there you go. You can look it up. We'll put it in the description. And anybody on YouTube who has any problem with it can uh, read the paper. Um, it'll be there for you to look at just before you actually give us a strike for this. So there you go. Um, what else have we got? Just, you know, run-of-the-mill stuff. Uh, more outrageous corruption from the Bidens. Some 4 million barrels from the strategic reserves yeah. uh, that were released by the U.S. government because of a special um, yeah. executive order by Joseph Biden was to sold to a Chinese company or that's Chinese, connected yeah. to Hunter Biden's business yeah, interests yeah, yeah. in China. I mean, yeah. that's just, you know, your run-of-the-mill corruption. Um, nothing's personal, well, as you sense. say. It's all business. Biden wants to get over, get rid of fossil fuels, right? Right. So he'd sell them to China and he may as well get rich in the process. Yeah. And that's 10% just, for the big guy. That's not just stopping fossil, the extraction of fossil fuels or the production of fossil fuels. The stuff you have in your reserves, you've got to get rid of them too. Yeah. Dump it all. Don't be burning them here. Burn them in China. That'll stop global warming. <laughs> Dump it all overboard. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Uh, that's about all I got this that's week. That's all you got. Good. Well, that's enough because it's almost two hours. Excellent. And. Uh, people are probably falling asleep so uh yeah we'll leave it there for this week folks thanks for watching reading um snoozing commenting especially commenting we like your comments and don't forget to smash all the buttons because that's really important um for some reason that i don't fully understand but uh do it anyway and we'll be back next week with uh another show hope you enjoyed it until then have a good uh, week see you later see you later bye everyone can't stop the signal now.